Hi everybody, Mike Hancock here, the Chairman of the Circle of Excellence Group. And today I've got some tips for you that are going to really save you a lot of stress and make life easier for you in 2024. So we let's kick off with the presentation. I've called it Don't Leave Gaps. No, I haven't called it that at all. I've called it, come on, here it is. I've called it Time Tips. So that's what we're going to talk about. And Heather, you'll recognize this photo because there you are in the back left of that photo, joining us in, in uh, Thailand in Phuket late last year. So um, so there it is for you. And I think we had a, a great time with everybody last year. And, you know, sometimes people say, oh, I can't go to things because I've got too much on. So... I always believe in prioritizing what you really want to do first and trying to fit everything else around it rather than uh, looking to try and fit your life around your business. I'd rather fit my business around my life. So let's kick off. Here's the first one. You've got to prioritize with purpose. Now, I know you've seen this before. Don't think that, that those of you that have been client of ours for a long time is going to go, is this a 4G thing again? But this is our 4G's priority system. It's not a time management system. This is a way of life. And a little bit of background to it, and then I'll encapsulate it for you. And uh, then if you want to dig deeper, you can off outside of this call. But back in 2015, Lundy and I had to go to uh, 40 different countries around the world and during that year, we were just super busy and we thought we're never going to fit everything in. And we started realizing that a to-do list is your worst friend. In fact, we've gone on a war against to-do lists since then because to-do lists just set you up for failure. Every day, you never achieve everything on your to-do list. So every day you fail. So after you've done that for a week, you've had a week of failures, a month of failures, a year of failures. You get into the habit of failing and you get into the habit of thinking that's okay. It's not okay. So we had to come up with something entirely different than that. Thanks, Susie. It is true. And it's not designed to replace the to-do list more as to give you a way of life. And so we said, what are the four things that businesses really want to do? And we said, well, there's things you have to get. And normally that's sales, right? Normally that's money. Normally that's revenue. Then there are things that you groom. That's generally relationships um, with your clients, with your staff, with your suppliers, with uh, your partners. Then there's things that you want to grow and you obviously want to grow your business and there's lots of things there, lots of tools to grow your business. And then fourthly, those, those gold things, the things, the big ticket items you really want to do, launch a new course, write a book, create a film, whatever it may be. And so what we realized then is that most people spend most of their time in number three, growing their business. So what are some of the things that, uh, that fit in there? Well, social media is a big one. Um, just simply marketing, website updates, administration, uh, sending out invoices, research and development, training, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So that's where most people spend 80% of their time. 
Whereas where the money is made in business is from literally sitting with clients, potential clients and pitching them, and also grooming relationships, creating better relationships with your staff, with your suppliers, with your potential customers, with partners, and even with your family as well. The gold things like writing your book, um, like creating that big new course or some super duper product that you've wanted to create, often we do those in just the most ridiculous times like Monday morning where they're writing our book, whereas Monday morning we should be doing something else. So what we did is that we started spending 80% of our week on getting and grooming. Then that left us with 20% of our week to grow and go for gold. So we chose another avenue. We said, look at all those tasks that are in the grow area, social media, um, administration, marketing, etc. And what we decided to do is we decided to outsource all of those. So what does that mean? Well, it means that somebody else does them, not Mike and Landy, for as much as is entirely possible. So that way, in the four days a week that we actively work, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, we're really doing nothing but get and grooms. So that's prioritizing with purpose. So if you want to manage your time better, if you want to spend less time doing things, then start focusing your week on the things that really matter. Outsource the things that don't matter. Some things you can outsource to people in your team. Chris does our marketing for us. Other things, uh, our social media is outsourced. Our administration is outsourced. Um, so there's very few things that sit in there now that we do. So a lot of that is really outsourced. So I'm not saying we're perfect, but what I'm saying is that for all of the checks and balances I do, I went from back in 2015 spending 46% of my time online in the area of design to spending nearly 80% of my time online on calls to for some benefit or purpose, grooming or getting business. So this is a grooming call, okay? You're all clients of ours, so I'm building a relationship with you by delivering value to you. So this is a grooming call. Um, then, so we outsource number three, and on Fridays we do our gold things. Now, it doesn't always work out like that, but if you can do this 80% of the time, 80% this way, you're going to get a lot of time back. And providing you don't spend that time watching Netflix and you put it into getting and grooming and better quality ideas and refining things and getting better quality staff or people to help you, increasing your prices and doing all that stuff, you will have simply a much better business. So that's the first thing I want to share with you. If you have any questions at any stage, just stop me, just um, chat, put them in the chat, even just put cue in the chat and I'll see it and then we can stop and, and have a question because I can't see all of your faces on screen at the moment if you do put up your hand. But I wanted to move from the bigger sense of purpose in prioritization to more of a manageable micro situation. So this is macro. Now I want to move into micro. For those of you that are Circle of Excellence members, um, the 4G system is in module six and of the Circle of Excellence program. So you'll see that once you get into the module six. And I really suggest that 
unless you've been around a long time and this is so old news to you that you simply don't understand it anymore, that um, essentially what you should do is you should really prioritise getting to understand the four Gs. Work with it again and again and again. Watch the video again and again. Because if you do that, you'll basically find that you um, that you really start to actually use it and really understand it. A lot of people, when they see it for the first time, they go, that's so simple. And then they go, oh, but how does it work? And then they sit there and they try and work it out. When you get it, you get it and you don't do anything any other way. So when we look at something, if we get a new task on, the first thing I think is who else can do this? Do I really need to do this? And then I think, oh, is it a groom task? Yeah, I probably should do it. Is it a get task? I definitely should do it. Is it a grow task? I probably shouldn't do it. So who else can do that? And then don't ignore your goals because if you ignore your goals all of the time, then you know, you're probably going to go, oh, work is hard, whereas the goals are the things that give you fun. They're the dreaming ideas that are, as I said, writing a book, it's a big thing, or coming up with some new product or program, something like that. So let's look at the micro. And for a micro snapshot, I want to look at a week. So I call this sort of effective planning from a week's point of view. Now, the first thing you should do here is put in the red into your week. So I put a few things in the week just to show you what could be read here. In other words, there's no way you're replacing this with work. So you might go to gym three times a week or you might want to. So that goes in first. Monday, Wednesday, Friday, there it is. You're at the gym. Seven or eight o'clock through till nine o'clock, that's what you do. Hey, Wednesday night's date night with your significant other. So that's the, the night that you absolutely put aside for them and it's never changing. And then Friday afternoon, you block out as well because, you know, unless you've got something you've really got to catch up on and really got to do, why not just take it off? And most of you can do that. So I put then in what else is important? Well, the two things that are really important are the green and the yellow there. So I've got Marketing Monday in there, and uh, that's fantastic. So the first three hours of the week, Spend marketing. If you're spending your first three hours marketing, then you're really moving ahead. And I learned that from actually somebody I just uh, we went and stayed at their house just recently in Australia. And it was 30 years ago we worked together and he would come into the office. We all got in the office at 8 o'clock in the morning. All of us, bar this one guy, would go straight to the coffee machine. We'd put on the kettle, go straight to the coffee machine, sit down, say, how was your evening? What happened? Blah, blah, blah. He'd walk into his office, make two phone calls. That would take probably 10, 12 minutes. And then he would walk out to the coffee machine when it was already there. And, uh, and he would basically join us for coffee at that point. So I realized that while we were all drinking coffee and chatting, he was essentially having... Two calls a day, five days a week at that stage. It's 10 calls, at least 40 weeks of the year. He was doing 400 marketing calls while we were just lounging around drinking coffee. And guess what? When we got to our office, we never picked up the phone then either. So Marketing Monday is really good to do some marketing first up and then from there to move into meetings. 
And that means this is your high points here from really nine till about four or every day to for the first three days of the week to book those transactional meetings and some developmental ones. But if you need to do developmental meetings, what's the difference? Uh, transaction is where you're hoping to make sales. Developmentals is where you're hoping to just build a relationship like a strategic partner or something. I would probably put those on Thursday. As you can see, with my um, dollar signs in my research uh, word there, research is uh, for Thursdays. So you might block out some time to do that. And everything else fits around that. Now, it may seem pretty simplistic for most of you, but honestly, it doesn't need to be a lot more complex than that. So that would be my second tip. I've got 10 of them. So again, if you've got any questions, if there's anything you'd like to know, um, just put your hand up in the chat, uh, preferably so that I can see. Then I'm going to throw this around in a little bit of time so that you can uh, give some input as well. Here's number three. Don't leave gaps. So back-to-back -back meetings and chores. A lot of people lose time by leaving 15 minutes or 20 minutes between a meeting. Or they'll book a meeting from 9 till 10, then I'll go, oh, I'll need a break after that. I'll book another meeting from 10.30 to 11.30. But they don't do anything between 10 and 10.30. Then at 11.30, they book their meeting. Oh, they go, and then I'm going to have another meeting at, say, 12. Then that's going to go through to 1. So by the time that's done, you've lost an hour of your day. So what I like to do and what's worked very well for me is to back-to-back -back things. So, and I believe in run and hive days. So um, today has been a run day. What does a run day mean? It means I've literally been back-to-backing meetings most of the day until my computer crashed, right? Um, which I've had problems with my laptop all day, but it seems to be okay now, so touch wood. Uh, so back-to-back -back meetings. That way, yep, sure, there's a lot of follow-up to do and everything like that, but today is a Tuesday. It's a great day to do meetings. Um, it's one of your high points of activity in your week. So why would you be doing anything else? And back-to-back -back chores. So what does that mean? If you've got different things to work on, if you've got to run out and do a few things, stack them all in together. Just get it over and done. Knock it on the head. That just saves you quite a bit of time. Let's move on. We promised you the Pomodoro technique. So I want to share with you this technique. It's not one I use. I'll be brutally honest with you, but I know some people who do use this, this and I think you should try it for a day and see if it works for you. So plan out your tasks. Then basically you split your time into 25 minutes high activity and then a break for five minutes. What does a break mean? Make a coffee, go sit on your couch or, or um, go for a walk for five minutes. Go and buy your lunch and come back. Take five minutes to do that. Eat it at lunchtime, but buy your lunch then. Um, do some exercise just for five minutes. Do some stretches for five minutes and then go back to work. And do at least four of those. So that's really two hours worth of work and then take a longer break. So if you're working from eight in the morning till 10, have say three mini breaks and then take a longer break, say from 10 to 10.30, where you literally relax, uh, you know, maybe watch an episode of your favourite show on Netflix, that's 40 minutes, doesn't matter. Come back, do four more Pomodoros, 
then go for a walk at lunchtime with your lunch. So this is a concept that each of you could use. If it suits you to use, you'll get a lot done. I'm going to share some fascinating statistics with you that are very, very new statistics very soon. I think you'll be blown away. Even I am coming to grips with one of these statistics. I don't believe it, but I'm still going to share it with you because of the source. So we'll get to that in a minute. Do not multitask. Lundy is an absolute wizard at this. She does not multitask at all. It says here, multitaskers experience a 40% drop in productivity across the board. They take 50% longer to, to accomplish a single task and make up to 50% more errors than somebody who doesn't multitask. I love this. Heavy multitasking can temporarily lower IQ up to 15 points, and it's three times more effective than smoking cannabis at lowering IQ. How's that for a bit of fun, right? So if you are a chronic multitasker, I'm guilty. Try and stop being a multitasker. As I said, Landy does not multitask. She is very much single task. She'll pick something up, she'll work on it all day and she'll finish it. The next day she'll pick something up, work on it all day and she'll finish it. And because of that, she seems to get a lot of stuff done. Let's have a look at the questions now. Oh, so we've got a guilty person. Um, Philippe's got a Pomodoro app. You are a legend, Philippe, that allows you to track time and projects. That will be very useful, I think, for some people. Uh, Chris, you're a, a guilty person at multitasking. That's probably because I make you multitask very much. And Heather says, me too. But if we can take something out of this, because... You know, a lot of you are running to-do lists. Um, I'm not guilty of that anymore. I occasionally write a to-do list, but I'm really not guilty of to-do lists anymore. I used to be like Mr. To-do list back in 2015. So now I've got out of the habit of that. I don't do that, but I still do multitask. I try not to. I'm getting better at it. Maybe in another one or two years, I'll be down to single tasking like Lundy. But you have to make a start at it. So a good way to make a start at a multitask is using a Pomodoro technique. Work on one thing for 25 minutes, take a break, either come back to it or go on to the next thing for 25 minutes. That could be a way for you to multitask. So question, Sahaja, could you combine lists and 4Gs? Well, optimally, that's what most of you will do. And so the answer is yes. But what I want to try and get you to do is if you could limit your list to just three things per day that you need to do, I think that you would be far more productive. And that's the reason I don't need lists anymore is because I really don't try and do a lot in a day. Where I tend to multitask is when I chew through my stuff and then I'm done with what I need to do for the day. That's not a run day, by the way. That's an ordinary day. So in my life, I have run days. Run days is where I back-to-back -back things. I have around about two of those a month, maybe three of those a month. So almost every second week is a real run day. Then I have hide days. This is where I block out and I'm not off, 
but I really don't do much bath think and tidy up things. So that also is probably about three days a month. And the rest of what I call pretty normal days, I'll have some meetings and I'll also do some stuff. But when I'm doing the stuff, unless I've finished with what I need to do, I don't tend to, um, to try and do everything at once. What I want to do, get to, is I want to get to doing just one thing. Because I'm focused on four Gs, most of those things are getting groomed. Uh, Philippe says, I shifted from a to-do list to action list with one major task to do per day. That's going to set you up totally for success. Okay, let's move on. So we've heard this before. This is not new. But I want to know, and I want to throw this around with you guys, what does this mean to you for your goals to be specific, your goals to be measured, your goals to be achievable, your goals to be relevant, and your goals to be time-framed? Do you do this? You probably learned this when you were 20-something years old. I did. But I'm wondering how many of us actually take this on board and how many of us use this. Would anybody like to share something? Let me just stop the share and let's have a look at my screen here and say, any of you like to share what you're doing at the moment? Do you actually do this? Mark, I'll go. Um, how do you write down and have specific goals? I think where my growth area and something I really want to be focusing on this year is putting the measurables in place. So when breaking it down and then having those measurables in place, like did I this week do the sales meetings? Did I hit those measurable targets that are going to actually get me onto the goal? Because I'm much more working metaphysically and I actually need to work in the physical more in terms of that. Well, we need, yeah, very good feedback. We need Heather, to have it put in both worlds. So as much as we work metaphysically or physically, we need to have our other foot in the other world as well. So uh, very good feedback. Thank you for that. The dealer says, I normally write down what I achieved at the end of the day to keep track of wins. What a great idea. Imagine that you kept track of wins and then you look back after the month and you go, wow, I had 22 wins or whatever it is for the month. And you may have more than one win a day. Maybe a sale is a win. Maybe uh, getting a new partner on board is a win. Maybe completing that website project you've had going on forever is a win. So let's come back to specific, measurable, achievable, uh, realistic, and time-framed. Who here feels that they're not time-framing their objectives at the moment? Any of you? Thanks, Dave. And do you also feel that, have you got measurable goals? Are they written down? Hey, Mike. Hey, Dave. Hello. Um, I, funny enough, I use smart goals in my crisis management stuff. So I'm teaching it all the time. And I realized over summer that I'm not implementing it outside of what I teach people. And um, yeah, so so I've just been working on that in um, over the last couple of weeks about refocusing on smart, measurable goals with um, timeframes. Yeah, very good. Well done. And I think it's really good uh, for all of us to have something that's measurable because if, if we can't measure them, then 
What are they good for? How do you know when you've got them? And also to have these written down as well. Um, we've just finished finally the, the action plan for us for this year. And it's written down on that by hand at the moment. It's about to be committed to a document. But it's funny, uh, we have a friend, uh, Dr. Gustav Hulse. He's been, uh, he's been a guest on this uh, particular um, webinar a couple of times, I think, over the last five years. And Gustav really teaches people about, he's a, he's a traditional life coach, life strategy person. I said this to him. And he said, oh, my goodness, that's so good. Can I use it with my class? I said, yeah, absolutely. Please feel free. But I always say to people, do you have a will? And most people have a will. And I say, why do you have a written down plan for your death and you don't have a written down plan for your life? And most of us don't have a written down plan for our life. So getting some smart goals might be a good starting point for that. Let's jump back into the presentation. We'll come back to some more questions a little bit later on. So we want to make sure that they're achievable. We want to make sure that they're relevant. So many of us set particular goals and things we want to achieve that aren't necessarily relevant to our overall, um, overall business objective or whatever. Thanks, Philippe, for that comment. Here's our next tip, tip six. Delegate all your grow areas and focus on getting room. If I can give you one secret to the fact that Mike and Lundy are able to travel as we do, um, seem to be fairly relaxed, although that's not always the case for Mike. Lundy's always very relaxed. Um, so I won't lead you down astray and say, oh, I'm always very relaxed. I have my moments. But... I think the, the real thing is we anything that is not revolving around relationships in our business, that is not involving around getting sales in our business and is not involved in strategic direction of our business, we try and find somebody else to do it. Sometimes they're contractors. I'm having our websites rebuilt at the moment. Contractors. Um, sometimes their staff, Chris does all their marketing for us, for example. Sometimes their strategic partnerships, Lead Magazine. I spend probably a day and a half a year in that. Lundy spends three days a year. The rest of it's all outsourced in a partnership. So there's many, many different ways you can do things. You don't always have to spend money to get stuff done that you don't want to do. Now, you may have some great things that you can help people with that can be a bit of a barter. You may have somebody who simply just wants to do things for you and, and never underestimate that as well. If you're out there talking about what you do with some passion, then chances are some people will want to get involved with you. I've had all sorts of people over the years do all sorts of things and not accept money for it at all. And yes, they still like me and I still like them. So anything that's not sales, anything that's not relationship building, and anything that takes your time, i.e. social media, et cetera, et cetera, administration, invoicing, following up payments, um, building websites, doing design, et cetera, 
outsource that. If you can outsource that, then you can basically get a lot of your time back. And that time will be put to very, very good use, I'm sure. Just going to have a look at the comments here. Dave says, I read that most people spend more time planning holidays than their life. <laughs> that would be absolutely true, Dave. I don't know if there's a statistic around it, but I couldn't agree more. Uh, Sam, smarter, encourage and reward. Yeah, you've got a reward. Oh, my goodness. If, you, if you've set a goal and if you achieve it, where's your reward? What do you do after that? Do you, you know, where do you go? How do you celebrate, et cetera, et cetera? Make sure that you do that. On to the next thing. This is the statistic I wanted to share with you earlier. It's about a digital detox. I'm saying turn it off. So the first statistic is the average person picks up their phone every six minutes. That's not the shocking one. The second statistic says the average executive, luckily that's not us, we're entrepreneurs, but I want to put this in, touches their phone, touches their phone 2,617 times a day, checks emails 74 times a day, and receives 46 smartphone notifications a day. Now, before you go, that's crazy, and Mike just made up those numbers. This is a 2023 Harvard University study. So I do place some faith in it. The picking up your phone every six minutes is a study of 150 million people with phones. So this is we're constantly distracted, which is why we're losing time. Just be aware every time you pick up your phone because are you really using it to make a call? Are you really using it to send an email? Are you really using it to do something or are you just picking it up to flick through things? I often watch people on trains when I'm in Europe and they pick up their phone and they tend to look at And sometimes I can see what they're looking at and I go, why do you need to read the same WhatsApp four times in an hour? It's ridiculous. You can see them on planes. Watch, what's the person next to you? They're on their WhatsApps. They're not even live online and they're looking at a WhatsApp and then they'll put their phone down. Then they'll pick it up and they'll look at that same WhatsApp again. And it seems to be a short WhatsApp. Now, if this was just one or two people, I'd say, well, it must be something pretty important on there. But I see this all the time. So we need to do a digital detox. We had a lot more time in the past. And if you don't believe me, then tell me how your parents and grandparents managed to achieve just as much as we're achieving and they didn't have all this digital stuff around them and all these resources that we do. But they still managed to build accountancy practices. They still managed to build a business. They still managed to build empires, some of them, without all this stuff some of them without phones. How did they do that? And we need to rely on this. We must have it. So step one here is I'd suggest you do something that I do and that Landy does. You don't have any notifications sent to your phone whatsoever. Your phone never beeps. Those of you that have spent any degree of time with me will know my phone never beeps. Why? Because I'm in control of my phone. My phone is not in control of me. So do I go into my phone and check WhatsApps? Yes. 
But when I looked at this checks email 74 times a day, I understood this because I've been out to dinner a couple of times with one of my best friends who is a very senior corporate, um, one of the biggest in his industry. Probably every five minutes he checks his email. I thought, boy, I'm glad I'm not in corporate again because I'd never want to do that. You know, for most of us, there's nothing that devastatingly good or bad that we need to check 74 times a day. I check my email probably three times a day, to give you an example. First thing in the morning, that's not necessarily the best time to check your email, but I do, I like to clear it out sometime around lunchtime or late morning and sometime in the afternoon. And they're different every day depending on what I've got on. I never check my email after hours. I never check it on weekends. I just don't bother. So no notifications, no emails, no pushing notifications. Don't pick up your phone to do emails all the time. And you will find you get so much time back. There is another statistic. I found it once before, but I couldn't find it for today's call that basically says after you've picked up your phone, it takes X amount of time to focus again. But I think it's three and a half minutes to focus again after you put your phone down. So if you consider you pick up your phone every six minutes, then you mess around for a minute, and then you put it down and you've got another three and a half minutes before you focus, that's in an average eight-hour working day, how much time are you losing? That's 10 minutes you're probably losing an hour and a half a day just by picking up and putting down your phone for very little reason. So this is a big one. I'll be interested to see what you think because when we're going to throw it around after I share these next couple with you. So invest time in communication. This photo of Harley and Raven was taken last week um, in the Gold Coast in Australia. And this was at our Platinum Mastermind. And I, I looked at this and I thought, this is just beautiful communication here. Both of them have got their journals open. They're, there's nothing really there to distract them. And they've totally got eye contact and are just engaging in conversation. So we have to invest time in briefing people. If you're going to ask other people to do things for you, you want them done right. Most of the reason they're not done right is not because they don't know how to do them. It's because they don't know what your expectations are because you haven't properly told them. So you have to spend the time to brief people. You have to tell people what your expectations are. Now, I'm guilty of this from time to time. I'm sure Chris would put up his hand and say that Mike doesn't always brief me properly or give me the best expectations. But none of us are perfect, but you have to focus on this. The more time you can take to slow down, to go through it a couple of times, to check back in and close the loop with them and make sure that they've got it before you go on, the more you're going to have brilliant communication. And brilliant communication between you and members of your team or your partners or even your clients and suppliers is going to save you a tremendous amount of time. Heather said she just turned all hers off. <laughs> Um, I don't have any lap notifications on my laptop. So far to say, Shazar, that, um, and lovely to see you here, Shazar, so far to say that it's been so long since I've had a notification sent to my laptop, I forgot they even did them. I would think it must be close to 15 years since I had notifications sent to my laptop. Hi, Mandy. Happy New Year. Lovely to see you. She says, the best advice I got from you years ago 
was to switch off notifications on my phone or my laptop. I must have remembered about the laptop back then in those days. Closing the loop is brilliant, Heather says. Yep. So closing the loop is, is a saying, I have the saying, letting them know that they know. So when you brief somebody, then you ask them what you said back. If they repeat back to you, um, most people first time won't repeat back to you what you said. So then you explain it again. You focus in, you say, I want you to pay particular attention to this. And if the next time or the third time they are able to repeat back to you exactly how you brief them, then that is closing the loop. Now you know that they know and they know that they know. So if they know that they know and you know that they know, then there shouldn't be any margin for error in the mistakes. But if you just say, listen, can you do this for me? I want it done in the next two days, blah, 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 like most of us do and just dump it on them and leave and say, we've delegated. Well, we, then we're going to say, gee, I can't get good stuff. No, you can't breathe properly. That's part of it. Take breaks and exercise. Now, I know we covered this um, earlier on um, with our friendly, uh, uh, our friendly tomato, but what I'm really talking about here is I don't expect most of you to do the Pompadouro system. You might want to give it a shot, but I'm assuming you're probably going to revert back to some old uh, ways of doing things because that's natural unless you really love the idea and are prepared to, to go for it and do it for a month. But if you do want to set an alarm on your phone, set an alarm that tells you to take a break at certain times of the day. And just take 15 minutes. And if you can, exercise at least a couple of those times. You can relax and drink coffee one of those times, but a couple of other times, if you just go for a walk for 15 minutes, that'll be fantastic. If you just stretch and, you know, do some sit-ups or something like that, or or just do a little bit of yoga or anything that's right for you just for 15 minutes, once a day, boy, your life's going to improve. You're going to be mentally more fit and you are going to, because you're mentally more fit, you're going to fit a lot more in because you're going to have breaks and you're going to get great new ideas when you're exercising as well. So that would be one other tip. So that's really what I had for you today. There are 10 tips there. So I now want to go to this and, and, and throw it around. Let me ask you this question. Which of those stood out for you that you feel you should do or aren't doing enough? Oh, anyway. Not multitasking for me stood out. So, I always so you think, think you still multitask too much, Heather? Yeah, yeah. Very nice. To me things. Mm. Yep, we've got Dave Greenberg on don't multitask as much. Shazar off the digital stuff. Good for you, Shazar. That's excellent. Sam says, uh, where has he gone? Everything I think of when I'm finishing I know is time to... Everything I think of when I am finishing, I know, is time to take a break. Okay, I don't quite understand that, Sam, but I know I get the gist of you got something out of it. Um, Philippe, I need to increase my time on grooming. Very, very good. So we've got some good ideas there. Would anybody like to throw in a suggestion of their own that's really helped them to save some time as well or to focus more or to prioritise better? Susie says, turning all my notifications off. 
explain multitasking versus serial tasking. <laughs> okay, so I think, Sam, multitasking for me is very much having um, picking things up and putting them down all the time from different aspects. So I work on my social media, I post a blog, then I go, oh, what am I doing next? Oh, I probably need to go in and uh, fix something on my website. Okay, oh, there's something else. What was that? Uh, oh, yeah, I need to ring that client back and tell him I don't have that product or service. Whereas serial tasking is saying, okay, today I'm going to do five things. I'm going to start with number one, then do number two, then do number three, then do number four, then do number five. Susie says, I'm a multitasker. That's me. Yeah, sometimes it's really hard to change this, but uh, but the more we can move to a bit of single-mindedness, the, the better. So maybe you can get rid of the clutter in that, Susie, and, and get down to four or five tasks. Oh, she says, I must change. Um, well, just refine is a better word. Just refine it. Instead of putting 20 things on your to-do list, put three or four on, and that'll be a good focus. And when you've got one other crossed up, Crossed out, add another one on. So keep a B list, if you like, and then move things from the B list to the A list. But uh, for me, really, the 4G is spending too much time on growing. Absolutely. And you're at the stage in your business where you're focused on that grow stuff as well. So the more of that you can find other people to do, the better. And I know uh, in your case, we're nowhere near the module where we're going to dig into the 4Gs. So that is coming, Bert. Rest assured. By the time you've gone through that a couple of times, you, you are going to be a little bit better at that. Heather says, block time is what I'm working on, doing less than a day in two-hour slots. That's a lovely way to do it. Two-hour slots, that's four things a day in an average eight-hour day. If you if you you know do a 16-hour, 16-hour, if you do a four-day week, that's 16 things in a week. Most people don't achieve one thing in a week because they're too busy multitasking. So I really love that um, for sure. Folks, I think that's uh, we've got some good ideas. Have you enjoyed today's session? Um, I'm trying to bring something new to you or that we haven't really done every time, um, but also it's good to rehash a couple of other things that we have done. Susie says, yes. Sahaja says, I really need to be able to define differences so I know immediately what is grooming and what is growing. Just think grooming is relationships. We are literally speaking to people. Social media is not a relationship because you're not speaking to a person. You're writing to a bunch of unknowns or filming for a bunch of unknowns. So that would go and grow on. Great. Really need to get focused. The deal I think we all do. We've got a great opportunity. Um, in four days' time, we enter the year of the wood dragon. So it's going to be an amazing year of growth because wood is the, the strongest growing element there. And, of course, the dragon is amazing. And Heather, thanks. Love to especially categorizing as new things come in. Fantastic. Everybody, I wish you all the best. I will see you in a few weeks myself if I don't talk to you beforehand. And you have a great day or evening wherever you are. Bye-bye. Thanks, Mark. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.